we must not allow ourselves to think on the past except in as much as there is a teaching from God involved in the thinking. But usually memories from the past are fleshly and really sensual and devilish. And they will hold us back from things of God if we stay in those thoughts and dwell on those thoughts. Often we'll be pulled down and discouraged and even depressed if we allow ourselves to think on the past. The Apostle Paul said to the church in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. We cannot dwell in the past and go forward in the things of God. Therefore, the devil will try to get us to think on the past. We must stay alert. And when we begin to do that, call on God for help. Help me to go forward. Please don't let me think on the things in the past. It does no good. It pulls me down. Please help me. And he will. It is our being alert to it and calling on God that makes the difference. Ecclesiastes 3. To everything there is a season. Stop and think about it. We have winter, we have spring, we have summer, we have fall. There's a season, there's a change. And we must go with the change. If a change has happened in our lives frequently, we don't like change. But often I've found that after I have made the change, it's really even better for me than it was before. So if we resist the change and try to live the way we once lived, we'll be pulled down. We must call on God in prayer and ask him to enable us to make the change that's before us. That is the key right there. To everything there is a season and a time, to every purpose under the heaven. Have you ever seen an old woman who wanted to act like she was 19 it is really disgusting. I used to see it all the time at the Bridge Center. There was a woman from Louisiana that was accustomed to being the belle of the ball. And she must have been 80 by the time I met her. I went to see her at a rehab center after she had an accident. And she said, I didn't dream this was going to happen to me. And I said, what? And she said that I would get old. And I said, well, what did you think would happen? If we live, we get old. 
And she said, well, I don't know, but not this. She never did adjust to her age. She was always Scarlett O'Hara. You could tell that from the time you met her. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Sometimes I've seen people when they get older. Now, I'm 83, and I've seen people when they get older who want to just show that they can do everything, and they're so active, and they get out there and jog, and they do such and such, and I just never understood that. I don't mind one bit being 83. Actually, this is the best period of my entire life that I'm in right now. The best it's ever been. I live with another true believer. When there's a problem, she doesn't bring the problem to me. She prays over the problem. And she settles it with God, and she does what God tells her. And then she comes and tells me sometimes, there was a problem, but I asked God, and he told me such and such, and I did it. So now there's no problem. It's great. I've never seen anything like this before. They always talk about, who would you like to have in your foxhole? Well, this is the kind of person I want in my foxhole. I don't want someone in my foxhole who throws their gun down and clings to me. I want somebody who prays and believes and works everything out with God and takes that action and then tells me so that I can rejoice in what God told them. That's who I want. Well, I have that right now, and it's been wonderful. But to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. When I was about 38 years old, I was going coast to coast, doing radio broadcasts, traveling I don't know how many miles a year. I would have an East Coast tour, a Central tour, a West Coast tour, and it was wonderful, and I was very happy, and it was great. But I wouldn't want to do that now. At 83, once I prayed, because so many people were writing me, ministers across the world were writing me, wanting me to come to their country and speak to their churches or speak to their ministers or have a conference. And I prayed to God because I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. I was probably 80 at that point in time. And I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. First of all, I couldn't afford it financially. Second, my body would not hold up to it. I would have killed myself. It was foolishness, and I knew it wasn't the will of God. So I said to God, please give me something that holds me in place, something concrete that causes me to stay in place. And he reminded me of the cat. And I said, the cat? I have to take care of the cat. <laughs> I had hoped for something a little more spiritual. But sure enough, she was very concrete. You have to take care of the cat. So stay in place. I see people who are, I just can't imagine. They're in their 80s and they want to get out and travel all over the world. And some of them want to go speak the gospel all over the world in their 80s. Well, I do that, but I do it on the blog and on the podcast. So it goes all over the world without me moving out of the room. 
I'd kill myself if I tried anything like that. Plus, financially, it would be an enormous burden. You generally know what's of God by that. Financially, is it a burden? And the truth is, God's yoke is easy, and his burden is light. So keep that scripture in front of you constantly if you have this problem. Matthew chapter 11 God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. I believe that's verse 30. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3. But to everything there is a season. And we live in the season where we are, or we should. Just think of how silly it would be in the middle of, in the middle of winter in a snowstorm to try to live in summer clothing. I mean, we wouldn't do that. Well, we can't dress ourselves in the past. We just can't do it and do what God wants us to do right now. Philippians chapter 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He didn't have to try to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus did not have to be of big reputation. He didn't have to say, I'm the son of God. Look at me. You must respect me. He didn't have to do that. That would be devils doing that. We also are to be in the same form, the same mind, that we don't have to be of great reputation on this earth. We don't have to make ourselves into some great thing. But take on the form of a servant helping people is what God is saying. We don't have to dress better than everybody else or drive a better car than everybody else or have people look at us in admiration. It all ends. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I often think when I see famous people on television who are dead, 
and they're still showing their movies or something, I often think, but where are you now? You had all this praise and glory on earth, but where are you now? That's what matters. Where are we when it's over? Where are we now? Where will we be then? Being a servant of God is the important thing for each one of us. And going forward, from this point on, doing the will of God. Controlling our flesh. Not saying what we want to say. Telling someone off. Putting them in their place. Making ourselves to seem greater than they are. But rather, turning to God and saying, Don't let me do that. Don't let me say that. Please don't let me say that. I've done that many times, gone to God and said that. And it's so amazing because I've continued for a few minutes with that person, and then when I walked away, all of a sudden I realized I didn't say that thing that I didn't want to say. I didn't say it. God honored my prayer. He kept me from telling them off. He kept me from doing that. I asked him not to let me say that, and he didn't let me say that. Ephesians 4.29 is the scripture which I spent a good deal of time meditating on. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, that it may be good to the use of edifying, Building that person up in things of God. Edify means to build. Build the person up in things of God. This scripture meant quite a lot to me, and several years ago it was very strongly used in my life. It was during an election year, and at that point Mrs. Clinton was running against, um, I think, Barack Obama or somebody like that. Anyway, the thing that intrigued me about the election is, it's very silly, but what would they call Mr. Clinton if she were elected president? Would they call him first man? Anyway, it was silly, but it intrigued me, and I watched some news at that time to see if she would be elected. I was at my neighbor's house, and I wanted very much to say to them, and what do you think about the election? Now, I'm extremely non-political. I don't even vote. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm nothing. But anyway, that year I had gotten pulled in just because of that silly little wanting to know would they call Mr. Clinton the first man. Anyway, it's all foolishness. But... I I wanted to ask them that. But I had been thinking on this scripture, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. If I say that thing, what do you think about the election? Is this going to minister grace to the hearers? Is it going to bring out something godly? Or is it going to bring out something ungodly? Well, it's very obvious. It's going to bring out something very fleshly, ungodly. 
but oh, how I wanted to say it. Several times as I sat there with them that night, oh, I wanted to say, what do you think about the election? Finally, I just got up and left their house and went home. Job said, I'll put my hand over my mouth if I have to. But God kept me from speaking because I called on him. I did not want to speak something that stirred up the flesh of other humans. This is Joan Boney speaking. Thank you for letting me speak with you today.